0: On today's show, we have Dr. Steven Ferrucci from Los Angeles, California, talking to us on what's new in retina on the Optometric Insights Show. Hi everyone, I'm joined here with Dr. Steve Ferrucci. Steve, thank you for being here, really, really appreciate your time. I I still remember the first time I met you was at the Texas Optometric Association meeting, saw you lecture on retina and and to this day, it's arguably one of the best retinal courses I've, I've seen. I, I manage retina out of necessity. I, I, I certainly um, want to make sure I'm doing what's in the best interest of my patients, but I spend a lot of time on ocular surface disease and anterior segment disease, and because of that, a lot of the CE that I even take revolves around that area, anterior segment advanced, anterior segment disease, and specialty lenses. So when we get the opportunity to get kind of What's new in retina in a very clinical and practical approach? It's always great to, to hear that. And you really deliver on that. And um, I'll share with you, too, I was part of a, a meetings um, committee several years ago, too, where your name actually stood out as one of the best lecturers. And the comments that, were all, that always came back were, um, one, he knows what he's talking about. To he's in the trenches, actually working and dealing with this on a daily basis, and you can tell immediately based on just how you converse about the topics that you do. So honored to have you here and to be sharing really what's new in retina. So so let's let's get right to it, Steve. Tell us sure. tell us kind of like the three or four things in retina that we need to either kind of know about right now or that we should be looking for in the near future.
1: Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Milay, and. Uh, Thanks for such a nice introduction. I might have to hire you as my publicist. <laughs> you deserve it, <But>, buddy. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, so for, as far as uh, what's new, uh, th- there's a lot of stuff new in retina. And like you said, I'll highlight a few. But the thing that I think is really cool is that you know, years ago when I started talking about retina, we didn't have that much to talk about. And within the last couple of years, uh, and it seems like every year, we have more and more to talk about in the retina field. So it is, it's, it's really, really nice and really exciting. Uh, but there's a couple things I'm excited about. Um, one of the first things I'm excited about is, is it's been around for a while, but I think there's going to be a little resurgence, at least I hope so, uh, is genetic testing for macular degeneration. Mm-hmm. And it's been around probably for about 10 years. It was a, a company called Arctic DX. They have a test called uh, the macular risk that mm-hmm. it's been around for some time, and they've been uh, doing some testing for that. But there's also a newer company, um, out there that I'm, I actually am doing a little consulting with uh, by way of, uh, you know, disclosure, uh, but it's called Visible Genomics. It's a newer company uh, based out of Chicago, and they also do some genetic testing for macular degeneration. They, they do it a little bit differently. Um, they have two separate tests. One is a test um, that's a progression test. So you would run that on a patient with, you know, maybe earlier or intermediate macular degeneration. And it would tell you their chance based on genetics and other risk factors, such as like BMI and smoking, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It would, it would tell you their uh, risk for developing advanced macular degeneration and subsequent vision loss over the next 2, 5, 10, 20, or up to 30 years. Wow. Um, and then, you know, you, you could use that information to sort of tailor your treatment based on that individual patient's risk. So if they're very high risk, you know, you, you might not want to see that patient back, you know, on a yearly basis, which might look like, you know, if you just looked at their fundus, it might say, ah, I'll see him back in a year. But mm-hmm. if you run this genetic test and you find they're high risk, you know, maybe you don't want to give them quite that much of a leash. And maybe yeah. you want to see them back every, you know, four or six months running OCT. Uh, and really make sure that they're doing okay with macular degeneration.
0: That's interesting, Steve. I'll tell you with the genetics, even in the anterior segment space, we're going to see some testing that's going to assess risk as well, too. It's going to be interesting how it's um, taken in by patients. You know, the the 23andMe's now online, there are people that are, you know, they, they love it, they want all that information. Then there are other people who are just I don't know, cautious about all of that. they'd rather not know for, for, for reasons. So again, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the acceptance is from clinicians and also patients as well too on that.
1: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It won't be for everyone. Like you mm-hmm. say, there are patients that don't want to know and that's fine, but at least we have that option that we yep. give it, you know, yep. offer it to our patients. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you too, you know, with 23 and me and all those things, it's, it's more and more acceptable, you know, every single year. Yeah. Um, and this Visible Genomics also has a second test. It's called a lifetime test, test rather. And it's, it's aimed at younger patients, generally 55 or younger. And it's for patients who have maybe a strong, family history of macular degeneration that don't have any signs yet or other risk factors. And it will actually tell them their lifetime risk of getting uh, advanced macular degeneration. And again, you can use that information to counsel the patient, you know, more aggressively or less aggressively, depending on their risk profile. So, you know, I think stuff like that. And then I'm sure like you were saying in your field, I, I think this genetic testing, you know, we're really just kind of at the tip of the iceberg. And I think in the future, um, it's going to be a
0: big, big deal. That's great. That's great. What else you got new Steve that's um, uh, that's kind of coming down the pipe in retina?
1: Yeah. So, you know, not so much for uh, optometrists because we probably won't be doing it, but there's a, a, there's a new agent out there that uh, just had some new data released um, a couple weeks ago. It's called <laughs> Fere- Um It's made by Genentech. And it's what they call a, a, a biphasic or a, a bi, uh, what do they call it? A biphasic, I think it is. Bispecific, rather, a bispecific antibody. So what it is, it's, it's an antibody and has two arms to it. And one arm is anti-VEGF that we're all familiar with for treating you know, macular degeneration as well as diabetes and vein occlusions, a myriad of things. And then it has a second arm, which is what they call an angiopoietin 2 inhibitor. And angiopoietin 2 is also very um, important in eye disease. It, it, it increases vascular uh, permeability. It increases neovascularization and that sort of thing. So the thought is, if we can block VEGF as well as this angiopoietin 2, they call it ANG2, um, it will be better than what we just have now, <laughs> which is Great. anti-VEGF. So it's pretty cool. They just came out with uh, some, I think it was phase three. I'm not 100% sure, but they just came out with some results within the last like two weeks at a big retina meeting. And essentially they found that it's it's better than, uh, it works as good as Ilea, which, uh, you know, is is another yeah. anti-veget agent. Yeah. It yeah. works as well, but you're able to inject it less. Um, so, you know, one of the new things that they're looking at with a lot of these AMD type treatments, as well as diabetic retinopathy and diabetic macular edema is, is reduce, reducing the patient burden, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, these AMD things, once you start injecting them, some patients get injected every, you know, month, uh, maybe every two months, you know, and I've got some patients with bilateral disease. So now they're coming in, you know, we don't like to do some doctors do uh, both in both eyes at the same time. We don't, really like that because god forbid you have a problem yes you're really up a creek. yes a yes. Yes. Um, yes but so that so this this age as well as some others that are coming out are, are aimed at really given the good results that we've been used to with the anti vegfs but decreasing the burden on the patient so they just That's don't have great. to come
0: in as frequently yeah because a lot of these patients too steve i mean you know when you think about it granularly on the on the ground floor they're usually older individuals oh. and they're usually individuals that either need transportation yeah. or dependent on other people. And yeah. again, it's difficult for people to know that they have to be dependent on other individuals for this. Yeah. So, no, yeah. That's great. That's great. 100%. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then along those lines is a, there's another thing that is kind of cool. And I, I believe, and you might know this better than me, but they're doing a similar thing in other fields, but it's a uh, port delivery system. Yeah. So what it is, it's a, it's a little implant that's actually implanted underneath the sclera, and it's filled up with. In this case, the studies are looking at Lucentis. Um, so it's filled up with Lucentis, and rather than the patient having to come in, you know, every month for a Lucentis injection, the idea is you fill up this little, you know, refillable port, and um, you know, it gives them a su- sustained release of an anti-VEGF agent, Lucentis, over an extended period of time. And That's great. This, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And the studies seem to show that a lot of patients can go six months. Uh, like ninety some odd percent were able to go six months without having to refill it. Some oh, oh, almost up to a year without refilling this little this little gadget. So again, that would decrease uh, their amount of time they have to come in for injections.
0: Now this is interesting. Do you do you potentially? And again, I know I know you can't forecast or foreshadow this, but. This almost seems something that can be um, even more coordinated care with ophthalmology and optometry, uh, depending obviously on what state laws are and things like that. But I mean, I almost hear this and think this is a way that we can potentially get even more involved with the care of these individuals and patients? I mean, do you see a potential there, Steve, for optometry being more involved in this because of the port system?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so, because, you know, if you think about it, these retina specialists are busy, right? Mm -hmm. And and they don't, at least the ones that I know, they they don't really want to see stable patients. They don't really want to see you know dry patients, you know. They want to see patients when either they need injections or there's, there's an interval change that indicates that they're getting worse. So, you know, I think in a case like this, if you were to refer a patient over for treatment, you or I, you know, we could then have that patient follow up with us after they get this port delivery system, you know, do repetitive OCTs. Mm -hmm. And then if we ever find any change in their OCT, boom, we send them, you know, back to to get a refill or another injection or whatever the case may be. So I I think you might be onto something. I think it might uh, let us be even more involved in the retinal care of these patients.
0: Steve, um, this was awesome. I mean, just to get insights from someone like you on the technologies that we're actually kind of in the midst of right now is absolutely fantastic. Really, really appreciate your time, everything that you do for the profession, obviously for your patients, and certainly um, joining us here today. It was it, it was well worth the invitation, and certainly thank you for giving up a, a block of your time to to share to share with the profession. And uh, thank you all for being here on the Optometric Insight Show. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and make sure you're listening to the podcast. Thanks, everyone.